Good morning. A great joy for us again to be together on this, the Lord's Day. And I would ask you, if you have your Bibles, uh, to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, to the 24th chapter. And after being in Luke for a couple of years, we come now to the last chapter. Uh, We'll be here for just a few more weeks. And it's encouraging to focus, though, this day upon the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, a day in which we remember with love those who have been called heavenward before us. So on this All Saints Day, there is certain hope in the resurrection. Now, in review of the last few Sundays, perhaps no words better catch the significance of Christ's trial and crucifixion than those of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 11. He simply writes, Note then the kindness and the severity of God. On the one hand, we marvel at God's kindness, the love of God which sent Jesus to the cross to die for our sins. We know that God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There is no greater love than what we see demonstrated on the cross. Yet we also see the severity of God, His divine judgment, and the immense payment Christ made to purchase our salvation with His own life. For any who may think that God might wink at sin, let him consider the price that was paid and by God Himself in the person of His Son. If God did not hesitate to punish His own Son with such severity, what kind of punishment do you and I deserve? and yet are saved from because of what Jesus did on the cross. And now this morning, though, we come from the cross to the resurrection to one early Sunday morning when women who loved Jesus Christ in life came to further prepare His body for proper burial. And as the story unfolds, the primary questions involve for us our belief and our trust, our praise of the One who gave His life that we might live the one who now lives forever. This is the reading of Scripture, Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 12. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they, that is the women, went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were Perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered His words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves and he went home marveling at what had happened. Would you please join me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we rejoice at the wonders of Your grace, power, mercy, and love. 
revealed to us in the resurrection of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We praise you, O Lord Jesus, for the victory you have won for our salvation. We give thanks for your indwelling presence to help us by the Spirit to strengthen us, to lead us into all truth in accord with your word. So now we ask your blessing as we open your word before our eyes that we would see Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, he is risen. He is risen indeed. That's our joyous confession on Easter Sunday and was the confession of the early church of of early Christians on every single Lord's Day. Now, the reason we worship on Sunday is because our Lord rose from the dead on the first day of the week. And while we celebrate our Lord's resurrection in a special way once a year, Dear family and friends, every Sunday should be a celebration of the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. He is risen. Respond. He is risen indeed. And Jesus Christ, the Son of God, risen from the dead, calls for our believing response. You know, the gospel is not left to our imagination or to our literary creativity. It is based on an actual person and actual events that purchased an actual salvation for all that believe. It means that you cannot come to the cross in the empty tomb of our Lord without having some decision. For either you will choose to trust Christ as your risen Savior or you reject Him and bear the wrath which He bore for you. The resurrection leaves no room for neutrality. You trust in Him or you take your place among His enemies. And so the question for all of us, do you trust the risen Christ? Now, to support our belief and praise of this risen Savior, Luke is unfolding before us several key considerations for us to consider. First, there are testimonies. Secondly, there's the Word of God. And third, there is a certain hope for all of us to consider in order to convince us that He is alive. But first, think of the testimonies to consider. There is what we have mentioned, the day of the resurrection. The Gospels emphasize that the resurrection occurred on the first day of the week. The fact that the early church changed the day of worship from the Jewish Sabbath, which is Saturday, to Sunday can only be explained by the fact that Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday morning, just as the Scriptures teach us. This was not a strategic planning decision of the apostles to distinguish Christianity from Judaism. No, we worship on Sunday to celebrate and proclaim that our Savior is risen from the dead. So that's the first testimony. But there's more. Here we see that the stone has been moved. Now, on the way to the tomb, Mark tells us that these women were asking, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Luke merely records the fact that when they arrived, the women found that the stone had been rolled away. Now, this stone would have been massive. It would have been large and round, and it was placed in a groove. And in order to move that stone, it would take a number of very strong men to roll that stone out of that groove. And yet, according to Matthew, an angel of the Lord moved the stone. And he didn't do so so that the Lord could move out. No, he did so that witnesses could come in and see that the tomb was empty. 
And that leads us to our next proof, the next testimony that we must consider. The tomb, in fact, was empty. All the gospel accounts of the resurrection affirm the fact that the tomb did not have the body of Christ. Now, the Jewish leaders tried to blame the disciples for stealing the body, but the disciples were depressed. They were confused. They were fearful, too fearful to pull off a daring grave robbery from Roman soldiers who stood at guard with threat of losing their lives if they failed at protecting the body. To me, it is also inconceivable that the apostles would have boldly preached the resurrection in the face of persecution if Jesus Christ had not risen from the grave, if they knew that they had stolen the body. And then there's this testimony of the angelic witness. Luke records that the women encountered two men in dazzling apparel who gently rebuked them for seeking the living one among the dead. Look how they said it. They simply said, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. If there is any doubt as to the identity of these men, verse 23 affirms that indeed they were angels. And then we have the testimony of the women. It was not the 11 apostles that first received the testimony of Christ's resurrection, but it was these women that followed him who loved them. They were the last to leave Him at the cross, the first to hear the good news of the resurrection. They included, according to these verses, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James. And though a woman's testimony lacked weight in the ancient world, the Lord chose to reveal the glory of His resurrection to these women first so that they might be the first to know the hope of the resurrection. They would be instruments of the Gospel as fellow fellow heirs of the grace of life through Christ. Now Matthew tells us in his Gospel that they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. Luke simply says that they returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now, while the disciples were troubled by their testimony, Luke writes that Peter, who ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. So here are testimonies for us to consider. To affirm that Christ is risen, He is risen indeed. Now we transition to our second point to consider with this note. Jesus Himself does not appear to anyone in this record of the story that Luke has recorded here in these first 12 verses. He he also does not appear in parallel passages in Matthew and Mark in a series of verses that we simply call the empty tomb witnesses. This is so significant because Luke is pointing our attention to something else that is faith-producing, and that is the Word of God, the words of Christ. So here's our second consideration. It is God's Word. Now, on several occasions during His earthly ministry, you will remember that Jesus bore witness that He would be crucified and that He would rise from the dead. We've seen it in Luke 9, in Luke 17, and Luke 18. However, in all those occasions, the disciples didn't really get what Jesus was predicting. Luke records in 
the 18th chapter, but they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them and they did not grasp what he said until after he appeared to them after the resurrection. Now hear, though, how the angel brings the word of the Lord to these women. Again, the angel says he is not here, but has risen. And listen to this. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. From what Jesus had told them previously, everything was on schedule according to God's redemptive plan. Nothing had changed. But this is what is key. Here's the point that God is driving home in these verses. The way we live our Christian lives, the way we grow in grace is by believing the Word of God. The women will not understand these events apart from the words of their Savior. Now listen. The women did not understand Jesus' words in light of the event. Rather, they understood the event in light of what Jesus had told them. That's how it is in the whole of Christian life. We do not understand life apart from the Word of God. We don't read the Word of God through the light of our lives. Rather, we read our lives through the light of the Word. This means that God's Word interprets the events, the situations, the circumstances of our lives. We read God's providence into our lives through the lens of Scripture. God's Word frames our understanding of everything that happens. Yet... This truth is often challenging, is it not? Have you ever had a situation in your life, a circumstance, a loss, a tragedy, something that is so perplexing that you can't get your head around it, you can't figure it out? And yet you believe the Word of God. It's not that you reject the Word of God or that you disbelieve the Word of God. You believe the Word, but you still wrestle. You may wrestle for seven hours, for seven days, for seven weeks, for seven months, for seven years. And what you are trying to do in this wrestling is that you're trying to get to a point where once again you know that you're anchored in the center of God's will. Where your hearts are full of joy before the Lord. There's that great balance. For my wife Elka and me, We dealt with infertility and an ache for a child for seven weeks, then seven months, and then for seven years, and we tried to find our rest in the Lord. Yet month after month, year after year, there was disappointment. We would sometimes wonder, or at least I did, why would God keep us from the four children we assumed we would always have? By the way, children are a blessing of the Lord, are they not? When Elka did conceive and lost that child to miscarriage, we grieved and again we tried to understand. We kept trying to tell God to be faithful without allowing the whole counsel of God's Word to minister to us. We knew to look to God, but we strained with peace. And the question is, have you ever been there where you knew to trust God, but it simply was not happening? For us, we had not rejected the faith. We hadn't rejected the Word of God. We were laboring to put one foot in front of the other. We were trying to get our equilibrium again because of this circumstance. 
And I was asking, Lord, what in the world are you doing to the two of us? And yet the words of the angel to the women remind us that we will not get there until we remember the words of Christ because it is the words of Jesus, God's words, that are life-giving and faith-producing. It doesn't work the other way around. And then the Lord used His Word to speak into our hearts. This is Elk and me. Familiar verses. The first one from Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. And then from Proverbs 3, another familiar pastor passage. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will direct your paths. Now what gave Elk and me, and again I think it may be me, equilibrium again, is suddenly there was a resting because I knew that God was telling to us that I am the one who declares your life. You are to trust in Me. Don't lean on your own understanding. I will be the one to direct your lives. And we said, yes, Lord. You are God. We are not. You know what is best. We yield to You. And then we have the blessing of our son Daniel. (laughs) It's not that you understand everything about your situation. It's rather that you trust Jesus Christ. You rest in God's Word even when things are hard. For the Word of God interprets your life and suddenly you're able to rest in God's providence because God's Word interprets the events of our lives not the other way around. So here, there are testimonies to consider along with God's Word. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And then finally, there's this certain hope to consider. My friends, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is the root of all of our hope. One thing you and I need daily is certain hope. You don't need unsubstantiated hope. You don't need hope that is unsustainable. You need real hope. And that hope comes from the fact that Jesus is alive. Think of it. The resurrection is the very ground of your assurance for the forgiveness of sins. Do you understand that in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God the Father is publicly revealing that He has accepted the sacrifice of Jesus For your sin, for my sin. Hallelujah. The resurrection is also the ground of certainty for your own spiritual resurrection to new life in Christ. Think about that hope. By faith, when we trust Jesus Christ, we have union with our Savior. We are joined with Him in His death and in His resurrection. This is the basis for considering ourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. It's the basis of being new creations in our Savior. But note here also, as we think of hope, that the resurrection also provides our ultimate hope that our bodies one day will be raised from the dead too. Now, the Bible clearly teaches that one day our bodies will be raised out of the tomb. They will be glorified and perfected and united with our souls. We will live with God forever. The resurrection is the foundation for our eternal hope of our bodily resurrection. Paul's argument in 1 Corinthians 15 bears this out fairly 
clearly picturing Christ's resurrection as the first fruits of those who are asleep. The resurrection of Christ gives you the assurance that eternal life is eternal, that death has lost its sting and power over all that are in Christ. And so as we rightly remember those loved ones who have been called heavenward on this All Saints Day, and there are many we remember, we need the hope that only comes from the resurrection of our Savior. So we remember the testimonies, the words of Jesus, and our certain hope in Christ. For He is risen. He is risen indeed. Now how do you respond to His resurrection today, every day? Well, it seems to me that we simply believe, we trust, we praise. While faith is based on this historical fact of the resurrection, it is not strictly intellectual. It is personal. It begs a response. Why? Because we have all sinned against a holy God, but our Savior has gone to the cross. He has risen again. And we believe for the forgiveness of our sins. The resurrection also reminds us that we love, we serve, we worship a living Savior. So now we respond in trust because Jesus is alive. That means that He is interceding for you. That means that He will listen to you. That means that He is able to comfort you. That means that as the Good Shepherd, He is able to walk with all of you, even in the valley of the shadow of death. That means that He is here with us today as two or three are gathered together in His name. And then finally, oh God's people, we exist as a people to praise and to proclaim His resurrection. We do live by the power of the resurrection that worked within us. Our hope for eternity hinges on this resurrection. So we praise God and the resurrection story, especially as it relates to our proclamation of His death and His resurrection to the world in need of that hope. With shouts of Alleluia, Christ is risen. We herald the pivotal moment of human history for which all the Scripture is a preamble, the moment in which time and eternity collided. We proclaim, Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. By His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Brothers and sisters, believe Him, trust Him, praise Him, proclaim Him. For He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise You that we celebrate Jesus Christ who has risen for all of eternity. Gracious Lord Jesus, we thank You that You have, have given Yourself for us on the cross. We praise You for Your resurrection. For we know that it proves Your victory and Your love. We adore You for Your victory over sin and death and thank You for the abundant life that You give us. We look to the Lord Jesus as our risen Savior for great hope, for everlasting peace, for eternal joy. So Father, please help us to believe the Gospel this day, to proclaim the good news of our risen Savior, to live Your resurrection life with power, with grace. For it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen.